This is Next Level, an Align Life Pro real-life case study that follows the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert, and New York Times best-selling author, Michael Lindenton, as they guide me, Mike Andolfo, a small business owner, on a journey to triple my business. We invite you to join us so that we can all learn to become better leaders that know how to work on their business and not just in their business. All right, welcome everybody to the Align Life Pro. I am Mike Andolfo, and I'm joined as always by New York Times bestselling author Michael Lennington and the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert. Kristen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? And then we have a special guest today. I should have like a bio to read. This is how unprepared I am, but listen. This is the guy right now. I'm just going to say this is probably one of the most influential guys that you may have never heard of. Do you think that's fair? Fair enough. All right. Bill Hampton's joined us today. And if if people uh, don't know who Bill is, Bill is basically the person who helped a little small uh, show called The Dave Ramsey Show go from local Nashville, probably small reach even in Nashville. What would you say? Like, like 20,000 listeners? Is that if what it was that, when you, if, if that, that uh, to, to national syndication and now a national, just national media conglomerate of all kinds of different kinds of uh, things. So Bill was uh, on the forefront of that journey with Dave and um, you know, and let's start there real quick, Bill. Uh, thanks for joining us by the way. Sure. Um, Dave said something pretty interesting to you when he hired you where you know, you basically said, I don't know anything about the radio business. And what did he say back to you? Yeah, I, t- I told Dave um, that I didn't know how the signal got from the studio to the car. I had never thought about <laughs> it. I didn't know radio. And what Dave said to me was, he said, Bill, that's exactly why I want you. Because if you knew radio, if you were a career radio guy, you wouldn't believe we could accomplish what I'm getting ready to tell you I want to accomplish. He had a vision for how he could break into radio, doing it a different way than radio had been done up to that point. And he laid that out for me. And he's right. Had I been in radio, I would have told him all the reasons it couldn't be done. It turns out I was just dumb enough to believe him and figured I'd uh, jump in the fight with him and try to make it happen. So he had a great vision for me. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. What do you what do you think that uh, like when you don't have those kind of limiting beliefs, like just the, the freedom for creativity? Is that what it unlocks? I mean, what, what do you think did it for you? Yeah, well, you know, I like to look at it as what it allowed me to do was it allowed me to go, OK, what is the game we're playing? The game is radio. OK, how does that game work? What are the rules? What are the boundaries? Um, what can we do? What can't we do? And because I didn't know any better. I just looked at it um, with my global um, mindset and and just said, okay, what does winning look like and what can we do in order to arrive at the finish line the fastest? I think it just broadened the playing field for me. Um, You know, we all have the whole field available to us, but a lot of times we only play on a portion of it. We play on the portion that we know. And because I didn't know anything, I played on the whole field. And I think that gave me an advantage. You said something there. We, we play on the field that we know. It's, it's our comfort level. Most people don't want to mm-hmm. step outside of that. Yes. And, you know, 
when I heard you talk at peak and, and you told this story and you talked about not knowing what you didn't know. And it just really resonated with me because we talk to people all the time about in order to get different actions, it has to start at the thinking level. And if you change your thinking, your actions are going to change your actions, your change, your results change. So mm. I think you just really wrap that up in a nice little bow with, you know, you played on the whole field rather than just where you were comfortable at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great point, Kristen. And, and Bill, by the way, I, di I didn't hear your speech. Kristen wouldn't let me go to the main presentation. So. <laughs> well, let's explain to like now of our listeners, even know what we're talking about. So uh, actually I was fortunate enough. It was about a year ago. Actually, I heard a, uh, a podcast with Bill um, on what is now called the good life podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, it's like episode 279, I think is off the top of my head. And uh, I'm pretty sure it's pretty close. And if you just search for Brian Buffini and Bill Hampton, you'll come across it. And it was probably the one of the most influential podcasts um, I ever listened to. Mm. And then there's a group of guys that you all have heard me talk to. If you've been listening to the show that we get together once a year and kind of uh, we kind of get together in business plan and we kind of reach out to Bill to have lunch with us and spend the morning with us and had a really great morning with Bill. But then, the uh, Chris and I went to a conference in San Diego at the beginning of the month, and Bill was one of the future the feature presenters. And um, I still don't believe you that it was your first time giving a keynote like that because Kristen, it was amazing. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. That was the buzz. That's that's what I heard. It was great, great, great job. And so, um, but anyways, Kristen wouldn't let me go to that, so I didn't I didn't hear it. So I don't have the advantage these guys have in the background from that speech. So, um, but I but I did want to make a point, Kristen. You were just talking about. Um, what Bill had said, and the uh, the speech that you're giving next September or this coming September on inclusion, it's kind of right in that in that alleyway because the um, the thing is that not knowing radio brought a different set of ideas around what you could do. And, and as you said, there's I guess there's two ways to approach not knowing how to play the game. One is to just sit in the corner and wait to figure it out. The other is just to do stuff right. And um, that diversity of thinking is is really breakthrough. I think a lot of times we, 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 we get people who look like us and think like us and work together with them and we limit our, our, our solution set pretty much. Well, Michael, that's a, that is such a great point. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people will sit around and go, okay, I have to go ask people who have been playing the game, what the rules are. I think my approach was just to go, you know what? I'm just going to pick up the phone, make the call, make the request ask, you know, try to, I'm going to push it and I'll, and believe me, um, I can remember the, so in radio syndication, there was this time that these two hosts, they had a show and their show got canceled and that opened up like 60 radio stations. And all I was thinking was great. So I called the guy who ran that show, who just lost his, his main show just lost 60 radio stations. And I called him and I said, hey, I just saw so-and-so. I think their name were John and Ken. I said, hey, I just saw John and Ken lost their syndication. Can you give me the list of radio stations they were on? And so I can call him and see if I can get Ramsey on. And all he said was, go F yourself. And he hung <laughs> up on me. And, and I, was, I made a note. I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to ask somebody <laughs> when they just lost 60 radio stations if I can have their list. But I didn't know any better. I just called them and asked, and it was purely innocent. But that's how I learned this business is I just made the calls, and I had to be willing to risk looking foolish sometimes. 
Um, but in doing that, I learned so much. I love the Mark Twain quote that says, uh, I knew a man that grabbed a cat by the tail once, and he learned 40% more about cats than the man who didn't. And <laughs> I was the guy who grabbed a cat by the tail, and I learned a lot about cats. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing, Bill, you already had the no before you ever picked up the phone, right? Um, so yeah. he did tell you no, but at the same time, what would have happened had he said yes? If you would have never made that call, you would have never known. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So uh, we one of the things you learned from Dave Ramsey that I kind of want to unpack a little bit was this momentum theorem. And I think this is so powerful. And actually, I think it actually directly relates to the 12-week year because we're because it starts with focus intensity. And I think the 12-week year is about having focused intensity. So you want to explain what the momentum theorem is? Absolutely. So um, it was around 2003, maybe 2004. I think it was 2003, though. I remember Dave started doing his thing on a smaller level, his book, Financial Peace, which was his first big breakout book. That came out in like 97. So fast forward six years and our company starting to grow and several things happened within a very short period of time. Dave did a pod, did a, did a radio show that he really didn't want to do called This American Life on NPR. And he did that show. As a result of doing that show, um, a producer for CBS heard, the, heard that. A producer for 60 Minutes heard that. So out of that podcast that he didn't want to do, a producer for 60 Minutes heard it, and they did a profile on Dave. The producer for CBS who heard the pot, heard the radio show, but also saw the 60 Minutes episode. So she called about shooting a pilot with Dave called Life After Debt. And a producer for Oprah heard, saw the 60 Minutes thing, and they called and booked Dave. We had a new book coming out called Total Money Makeover that was launching that fall. So all these things are happening at once. And Dave is the most intentional leader I know. He's always thinking about how it affects culture, how people could think. And his fear was that all these new people we had hired who hadn't been there along the way would think that all of this success just happened. And he wanted to make sure that he drove home the point that it didn't just happen. We've been working at this for years. And so he, we rented out the movie theater in town and he pulled us all together and he presented what he called the momentum theorem. And it was, it was a, written out like a mathematical equation, FI over T divided by, or, or multiplied, multiplied by. by G equals unstoppable momentum, but it was focused intensity, focused intensity. You know, Dave would always say, um, Focused light is a laser. It'll cut through steel. Dispersed light, that'll just light a room, right? But you got to have focused intensity. So focused intensity over time, consistently focusing with intensity over time. And then as people of faith, we go, hey, and every now and then God just shines down on that. God will put his blessing on that hard work. And when that happens, that creates unstoppable momentum. And so that was something really important to Dave that he, that he, 
he instilled in us and he had coins made up with that stamp, that mathematical equation, that stamp on it. And everyone got a coin and it really marked a, a point in our growth. And everyone there can tell you that to this day, it's on the walls and the building and it, it's all of that focused intensity over time multiplied by God's blessing creates unstoppable momentum. It's kind of, to me, you know, I think when you get that focused on something, and you're spending so much brain power. And we talk about all the time how the universe will help conspire to make whatever you focus on happen, right? I mean, whether that's the, I mean, I agree with you. I believe it's God. I know Michael and Chris believe it's God as well. And God helping, helping you make this thing happen. Uh, it could be the law of attraction and some people want to go that route, whatever. But it, I believe in God's blessings on that. Uh, it's amazing that focus intensity about how doors open up that you don't even anticipate are going to open mm. up. Oh, yeah. So, so many doors, so many opportunities. And also that you have the wisdom to recognize the door opening up. Sometimes the doors are open and you miss it. And I think what I pray for is God help me to see the opportunities when they're in front of me. Um, Cause I know I've missed many along the way, just cause I'm, you know, thinking about it through my own eyes. And I, I, I hope that I'm able to see some things that I wouldn't see otherwise um, with, with God's guidance. Bill, has there ever been some opportunities that you clearly saw and you went, really, do I have to? Mm, well, <laughs> yeah, there has. Uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that I said really, do I, that's a good question. I'd have to give that some thought. There's certainly been opportunities that have come along where I just knew I have to say yes to this. Yeah. Quite frankly, speaking for the peak experience attendees, the real estate conference that you guys were at when Brian asked me to do that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big stage. And that's a lot of people who have heard some really good presenters over the years. Yeah. And once they call your name and introduce you and you hit out, you step out on that stage, you, you know, it's, it's all on you. So that's a, that's a big opportunity, but it's one I knew it's one I knew um, was one I didn't need to miss. It's uh yeah. It's something I think sometimes we in the audience take for granted. I remember being over at someone's uh, office and they were showing me their book collection. I was like, Oh yeah, I heard this guy speak here and this guy speak here. And I'm like, it's like, I've been exposed to some freaking amazing speakers. And I just want to let you know, you're, you're right up there with them. But you know, oh, thank you. I think uh, Ethan Cross, who was also at the event, even mentioned it about, coming on stage and like no one's on their cell phone everyone's engaged everybody's ready to take notes like it's you know you don't have people just walking out of the room it to, no. and they're there to just get like some sort of continuing dead credit or whatever else i mean you got a very engaged audience when you're on that stage uh, i i think i probably was spoiled with that audience as one of my first audiences because the first time people start walking out and moving around and yeah. not being so engaged i'm gonna let, let you know what that's about yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. You get up and walk in the middle of your key points. That's always a good sign. Yeah, right. There you go. I was just thinking so, you got that same issue, but not quite on the same stage, but but you didn't say no to that opportunity you have either. You you said yes. And I know how big a challenge public speaking you feel is. You you haven't done it before, so it's really kind of a, a big challenge for you. Yeah. Um yeah, it was, it, it was, and yet it was, um, there's no question. I've had that stirring in me for a while yeah. and, um, I just needed it. I just needed a little push 
and 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 uh, so Brian gave me that, which I was appreciative of. Awesome. Yeah. So talk about that decision to go from the background to the forefront. I mean, to step for, to instead of being the man behind the scenes, to being the man now on stage. Yeah. Well, you know, so I always toyed with for a long time um, writing a book called "I'm Number Two. And, um, uh, and it was always the guy behind the guy. And I almost, um, and I bought into that being who I was. I was the guy that helped the guy grow his platform. And I am good at that. And I am good at creating a narrative and telling that story and promoting those things. I've, I've done it through, through speakers and through Dave and I've, you know, um, I've, I've, I've been the agent on several New York Times bestsellers and, and promoting books and, and all these things. Um, so I have done that, but I've known that was a little bit of a cop out. It was personal to me, but I knew that I had a story to tell and I thought I could do it in a way that was compelling. And quite frankly, um, I was just. You know, my buddies and I, we, we, we watch bad speakers. We've all seen bad speakers, right? And when you watch them and you're like, oh, my gosh, that guy, that was terrible. Did you see that? And I think a little bit of me started to believe, oh, man, well, I know how tough I can be on bad speakers. I don't want people saying that about me. Um, but I got to tell you, um, this book right here, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Great book. This book helped me overcome all those fears. And, and I'll tell you one other thing, my, my buddy, John Acuff, who lives here in Nashville, ha, he said one of the most influential quotes on my life that I've ever heard, and I've never forgotten it. And what he says is, 80% and shared with the world is better than 100% stuck in your head. You know, most people want to get things perfect before they share them. And I've never forgotten he said that. And so now when I, when I have an idea or a thought, especially in today's digital world, when I have an idea or a thought, send it, ship it. Like, do I look right? Is the light hitting me right? Um, am I wearing the right clothes? Um, do I have it all figured out? Send it, send it, put it out there. And see what kind of response you get. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. Just get the reps. And so it's just kind of all aligned to that point. And so when, when I was offered the opportunity, I just jumped at it. Oh, well, you well, also – go ahead, Kristen. I was just going to say we're certainly glad that you did. Absolutely. And along those lines, you kind of also then kind of got into a little bit about uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And it. um, and it – and I don't know if you meant for this to happen, but the the theme of the conference or the way it started being these, this, you know, making this 1% improvement. I, I saw that on Facebook even. Yeah. And it continues. I think there's a lot of people who can, who talk about the 1%. So for people who aren't familiar, um, I've read the book, I think, well, Michael and Kristen, when I was reading that book, were, were reading BJ Fogg's book, but um, you know, talk to about what that, what you mean by that 1% improvement and what James Clear said in his book. Yeah, well, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, I mean, incredible book. And the example that jumped out at me, and I think because it's been true in my own life, is he gives the example of the power of tiny gains. And he, he, he talks about the British cycling team. 
in 110 years of the British cycling team's existence, they had won one gold medal. And they brought in a new coach, and that new coach had the mentality and the coaching philosophy that said, we're just going to focus on getting 1% better in all areas. 1% faster tires, 1% more aerodynamic, 1% faster metal. Um, we're going we're gonna to measure the sleep habits of all of our riders so we know the best pillow for them to sleep on, the best sheets for them to have. They focused on 1% everything getting better. The result of that was over the next eight years, they won 16 gold medals. And I think what happens is, is that that resonated with me because I know I get an idea and I go, okay, I'm going to run a half marathon or I'm going to lose this much weight or I'm going to do whatever. And I come out of the shoot so big and then I just can't sustain it. And I just get discouraged because it's not happening fast enough. What the 1% improvement did for me is uh, it, a, it makes it easier to start. I can sustain it for longer. And here's the cool thing about sustaining it for a length of time, a 1% improvement that you do every day consistently doesn't result in a 1% gain over the course of a year. Clear in his book talks about it compounds and mm -hmm. it actually becomes a 38% improvement in your life. So if you can find something that you can get 1% better at and do it every day, you'll have a 38% improvement in that area of your life. And when you start running that out through all the different aspects of our lives, that's powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. How does that, so can you give a real example of how that happened in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so, and well, let me tell you one thing that, that helps tremendously in sticking to the 1% and that's having a goal with a deadline. So like 12 weeks or so. Listen, so, yeah. you know, Walt Disney said everyone needs a deadline and I love that. And for me, I had May 3rd uh, at Peak Experience in San Diego. I had mm -hmm. a deadline. I made the decision to start implementing 1%. Hey, I wanted to get out on stage. I wanted to look in shape, right? So I had a workout plan that I did every day. And I wanted to lose some weight. I wanted to get a little stronger. I wanted to, um, I wanted to be ready. So I did all the things I needed to do with my nutrition, with my fitness in preparation for that. Um, I wanted to be uh, obviously prepared for the talk. So I had to be, I had to have a plan for getting away, spending some time alone, working on my talk, not being distracted. I had to get better at, um, at, at preparing for that. Um, you know, my reading went through the roof because when I read, I know that I'm, I'm inspired. I'm re I, I remember better. I'm things that I've learned over the years are triggered. And so I started reading on a more regular basis. So I think, you know, you just got to have a, it's good to have a goal with the deadline. And then you back out from that, you lay out your plan and then you, you start implementing it consistently over time, but it can't be, you know, it was Bill Gates that said, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and we underestimate what we can accomplish in five. 
I love that. I just had a coaching uh, uh, session this morning with a, a realtor here in Nashville. And we talked a lot about that five-year plan because he's very discontent right now. It's not happening fast enough. And he's caught up in that he's overestimating what he can accomplish in a year. Hey, 1%, 1% gains. Let's start talking about what that looks like in your life. And we started laying out a plan. I love it. I had a, a conversation with one of my coaching clients and it was around the whole physical activity thing. And they said, you know, I want to do 10,000 steps a day. Okay. When was the last time did you do, when did you do 10,000 steps a day? Well, it's been forever. Okay. What did you do yesterday? Yes. 2250. Okay. What is 1% of 2250? Yep. And that's what you do tomorrow. It's 22 more steps than you did yesterday. Right. Anybody can do that, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and then you'll look up and you're going to be going, I'm doing 5,000 steps. And guess what? I'm not tired of it. It's just natural. I'm not, oh, I got to do 5,000 steps. No, that is just, you've just so naturally gotten there. And then you get motivated by the results you're getting, right? Because that will have other impacts throughout your life. You're going to start feeling better. You're going to have more energy. All those things are going to happen, which only encourage you to keep going. Your success begins to compound. Yes. Yes. Well, let's get into, uh, so we're, we're going to do is we're going to actually talk about how that success compounds, but we're going to, we're going to literally share in part two of this interview, we're going to share the three principles that Bill used to, you know, impact the Dave Ramsey uh, show. If you're around here, you've you've heard about the peach truck. Bill helped this help the peach truck grow, uh, and all using the same principles. So we're gonna come back episode two. Make sure you stay tuned, Michael. You got something real quick? Yeah. Before we before we jump off this, I just have a real quick question because this is interesting to me. So you had this this speech you were you're preparing for, and you kind of worked on getting better physically, better shape, and all that. And sort of sort of there's a point in time in all of your your you know key areas that you have to work on. You're you're kind of focused on working in those areas to build up to that crescendo at that event, right? And then the event's over. Um, so for some people, I know that they have kind of like this, this show hole, right? They, there's, okay, now what? Um, how do you combat that? You know, so, so you've got this motivating goal that caused you to behave in a certain way for a period of time. The, the event happens. How do you, what, what did you do afterwards? The day afterwards, did you find that your routines were all kind of? Um, that's a great, that's a great uh, question. And it absolutely happens. There's a, there's a, when you build for that long towards this big thing and it happens, it's natural to have a letdown. And um, fortunately for me, I have another uh, event June in June. Um, Eighth, is that right? Eighth, that, 10th? June 9th. Yeah, Ninth. for me. It was around the same, yeah. And, and that is to, so I'm continuing to stay focused on that and get ready. Um, and then I, so for me, I'm just going to, I'm going to continue to try to have more things that I need to plan for and prepare for to get ready um, so that I continue to have something to shoot for. I, I know that what you just laid out, it happens. There's no question it happens. Um, but that's another thing about 1% gains. It, it, it did crescendo, but guess what? I was back in the gym the next day. 
I think I got home on a Wednesday night at like 10 o'clock and I was in the gym at 6 a.m. Thursday morning. And um, because that's what I do now, 1% gains over time become a habit in your life. And now it's just, it would, it would have felt weird for me not to be, not to be back in the gym. Yeah. So, um, but, but I, I think I, I absolutely have to have something new on the calendar that I'm working towards. And that helps me. I appreciate that. All right. So uh, again, we're going to cut this one off and then uh, we want you all to stay tuned for the second part of this interview where we break down with Bill, the three things he did at each organization to help them grow. So we'll be right back. This is the Align Life Pro.